So, um, yeah. So my therapist looked at me and she said, um, I can see that you don't have any hope and I'm going to let you have mine because I have hope that your world could be different. So I'm going to give you my hope until you find your own, but you'll have to give me mine back. And I said, okay. And she handed me a little rock that had the word hope on it. And I carried that in my pocket. And so I just made the choice to reach out for help instead of hiding. And it changed everything. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Praxis Podcast. Praxis is the college-age community of Three Crosses Church in Castro Valley, California. And this podcast exists for the purpose of engaging in conversations that help young people flourish in life and faith. I'm your host, Max Cushfield, pastor of the college-age community at Three Crosses Church, and we're so glad you're here. Well, in the first season of the Praxis Podcast, we are talking about mental health, as well as uh, exploring the connections between mental and emotional health and Christian faith. Uh, So far this season, we've touched on a number of significant topics, stress, anxiety, identity, more. And uh, today I'm going to be talking with my friend and friend of the show, Katie Dennis, skilled therapist and awesome person. Say hello, Katie. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Wonderful. And uh, today we are um, going to be talking about the subject of depression and um, what that looks like, what that is, um, hope that we find perhaps in our faith journey and just seeking to understand better perhaps people who, how we can love and walk alongside people who maybe we don't have that struggle, but someone that we love and care about and are called to care about might. So um, really looking forward to getting into today's conversation. Yeah. But before we do that, uh, I just want to read kind of our disclaimer, which is this, that this podcast episode is not a replacement for professional therapy. This podcast is a platform where we will be sharing resources and information that may be useful to the general public. If you need immediate assistance, call 988. (sighs) Well, here we are. Yeah. Um, It has been a journey. Um. And before we get into today's topic, yes. um, we have the precious moment. We do. We have the precious moment. So uh, this is the time in the show where we just think about something that has brought a smile to our face or brought joy into our life recently. Yeah. So um, uh, Katie, do you want to begin? Sure. Yeah. Uh, my precious moment is uh, this weekend I went to the Legion of Honor, which is a museum in San Francisco. Ooh. And um, it's one of my favorite little hidden spots that uh, isn't as popular as other ones. And it was my first time sharing it with my husband because he moved here Aww. from another place in the state. So it was a beautiful day and got to overlook the Golden Gate Bridge and walk the museum. That's lovely. I know. You know, it's a funny fact, but actually I think it was my first date or the first time hanging out with my girlfriend now wife yeah. and her family was at the legion of honor oh. uh so yeah <laughs> I, I had that. never been there before yeah and we started dating and we had like i think it was like a little family trip we was at the legion of honor we took pictures out and it's a beautiful part oh, of yeah. san francisco for sure it's a lovely place yeah and a great time to spend time with those that we love your wife my husband absolutely <laughs> there you go man so many connections great stuff 
Uh, let's see, precious moment for me, um, every kind of winter, you know, sort of the off season from, you know, like December to February is sort of the off season for growing these flowers that I grow, oh, yeah. these dahlias. And um, <clears throat> in that off season, one of the tasks that we do is kind of splitting up the roots so that we can grow next year's plants. And so I kind of in the evenings after the kids have gone to sleep, I've been dividing up these roots. Yeah. And um, it's just a really joy full kind of a precious time because it's very hopeful because mm. you're seeing all of these roots and they look healthy you're like oh man this is going to grow into a, a beautiful plant this year it's going to yeah. be beautiful flowers and it's just kind of a cool thing to be doing in the winter you know when the days are shorter and um it's cold yeah and um maybe dreary uh to just kind of have this kind of hopeful exercise to be engaging in. And that's something that's been meaningful for me recently. Yeah. I want to sneak out and see all your flowers. <laughs> it's, it's quite a sight to behold uh, in the late summer and fall. So we'll definitely tell you about that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Well, with that, um, we get into today's uh, episode about depression and uh, Katie and I, we were talking uh, about kind of this topic before we started the recording. And, you know, as a pastor, as a mentor, someone who's worked in Christian ministry for a long time, um, this is a topic I'm really eager to to understand more about and just understand the experience of people who may be experiencing depression. Um, and as we've talked about perhaps at other times during the podcast so far this season, um, myself and maybe other people listening, sometimes we just feel at a loss of like how to walk alongside and love and keep showing up for people who maybe have a struggle like depression. It's kind of like this invisible illness, I guess. Um, and I'm really speaking from a place of, I, I want to understand more. I'm not a doctor or a therapist. Um, and I feel like to love people well and better, this is something I want to understand um, in a better way. And so I'm really eager for today's conversation. Yeah. And um, maybe today we could just start with um, a definition of what is depression. Yeah, totally. So most of the time when people think of depression, I think they just think of um, big sadness. Sure. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Like from Inside Out, that Pixar movie? Yeah, or? exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a really large version of <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, and depression really, um, it includes sadness, but it's not just an exaggerated version of sadness. Sadness is kind of like general unhappiness. It can be like a little more temporary, milder, and more easily kind of transitioned out of. You could be sad in a day, but also be happy in a day. Where depression doesn't shift as quickly as that. So it's going to mm. be like experience persistent sadness hopelessness, maybe a sense of emptiness most of the day, nearly every day for at least mm. two weeks. So it's really impacting functioning. It's persistent. You're not moving in and out of that big heaviness of, you know, hopeless or sad uh, feeling, whereas sadness that you can kind of pop up and catch your breath for a second, even within a day, within an hour. Depression yeah. is not going to feel like that. It's going to linger. It's going to feel heavy and really impact your body movement, your um, view of the world, your ability to function in daily life. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm kind of thinking about an earlier conversation I had with Amanda about anxiety. And she kind of gave a, a similar definition, but around feelings of anxiousness as opposed to sadness. Yeah. That like maybe uh, if your car gets rear-ended, you know, and you're feeling kind of anxious, worried. Um, and it, because you, it would be reasonable to feel that mm-hmm. way after getting <laughs> in a car accident. Yeah. But, you know, as you get help, you know, you figure it out, that subsides, you know. But for someone perhaps who deals with anxiety, it might echo and linger, kind of be sticky and kind of go on for days or weeks. Yeah. You know, just that feeling. Is that like a similar phenomenon that you're describing? Yeah, it is exactly that. Instead of someone popping over and having dinner at your house, it's like you expected them to pop over and have dinner. And then when they showed up, they had a moving truck full of boxes and they just decided Mm. to move in. And now you're having a hard time figuring out how to get that packed back up and get them out of your home so that you can have your peace again, you know? So it's, uh, it's not, um, a short lived thing. It's a longer experience. And really the most significant one is that it's really impacting your ability to enjoy and function in life in the way that you normally or stereotypically would. Got it. Yeah. The other thing too, I guess, like, cause, uh, Sometimes we also experience significant loss. Yeah. And grief is also different than depression. Grief can turn into depression if it's prolonged. But in its initial stages, you know, even within grief, you're going to hit all different kind of feelings. You know, the classic five stages of grief that people talk about, you know, are denial, sadness, anger, bargaining, acceptance. And then they've just recently added meaning making. So even in that, you're kind of moving in and around some different feelings like a big ball of yarn in the grief process if you get stuck in the sadness and that lingers and is impacting your functioning. Then we've transitioned more into depression. Yeah. Yeah, we're actually going to be hearing about grief, I think, in our next podcast after this one. And so I was interested to hear about just the connections between depression and grief and how they might overlap or interact with each other. So thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, if you were trying to pay attention, maybe like when is it transitioning from sadness into depression, you know, maybe some other things that you might notice would be like an increase in hopelessness. You could also get really irritable because your window of tolerance is shrinking. So you don't have as much Mm. energy and, um, you know, uh, strength or, you know, whatever you want to say to face each moment of each day. And there's also going to be like some guilt, decreased energy, fatigue, some difficulty like concentrating and engaging in, you know, daily tasks. Maybe your sleeping habits have changed. You know, you're unable to uh, sleep through the night or you're sleeping excessive amounts of time, you know, Mm. changes in appetite, overeating or undereating. And then, you know, thoughts of death or suicide or potential suicide attempts that could come with it. Those aren't always a part of depression, but that would really be a sign to us that we've hit a desperate mark. I think we've already touched on some things here, but uh, I was wondering about just maybe common misconceptions or misunderstandings about depression, you know, as kind of you've been sharing about some of the symptoms, what depression can look like, um, you know, as you've perhaps 
talked with people as a therapist or with others? You know, what are maybe some of those things where just com- common misconceptions about depression? Um, well, I mean, I think we already hit on the most common one is that it's just like sad. Like, just stop being mm. sad. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and uh, any depressed person would uh, love for it to be as easy as that. You know, mm. um, yeah. and in my own experience of having depression as well, that was like part of what people would say is, oh, you just need to go for a walk or you need to just like get out of bed and be happy. You know, like you look at all you have to be grateful for, you know, and I think when you're in a place of depression, you um, could know that those things exist, but you've lost the ability to engage with the reality of what that means. So yeah, I can see that I have a roof over my head or I have people that say they love me, but it doesn't like penetrate into a deeper understanding of what that means about my own worth or value or how I interact with the world. You know, there's a difference between knowing something and believing something and moving from that. So misconceptions, you know, include uh, kind of like how easy it is to just get out of it. Just get over it. you know yeah um and then also that it's gonna look uh, a specific way like whether that's depicted from movies or things that we've read you know um depression doesn't always have to be paralyzed in bed you know you could also have high functioning mild depression but the person's Mm. just not having as much enjoyment in their life yeah i guess the word that's coming to mind kind of is like a like a numbness yeah uh, of just kind of not feeling the world, you know, experiencing in the same way that someone who doesn't have depression might not, and just feeling like this, feeling isolated. Like I can understand it, but I'm not experiencing it. It's not touching kind of the heart of me in this profound way. Yeah, and isolation is one of the biggest fuels for depression. Because you don't really feel like interacting with other people. You don't feel like going out in the world. And so you just become more and more isolated, which just perpetuates the feelings inside. Mm. And so, um, you know, people could misinterpret that as like, why aren't they calling me back? You know, or like kind of hold this expectation that's just unrealistic for someone that's in depression. You know, in a normal friendship, when somebody's functioning at a regular level, there's going to be some equal reciprocity, hopefully, right? Like a healthy, healthy friendship. Yeah. You call me, I call you. <laughs> you schedule a hangout, I schedule a hangout. You know, we're connecting with each right. other pretty uh, equally. Um, but if someone is experiencing something that's impacting their ability to function in life, we might need to extend a little bit of grace. That it's not that they don't like you or are not a good friend. It's just they have lost the energy and the ability to reach out to you in the way that they used to. They're not ignoring yeah. you. They're just trying to survive. Yeah, I, I find that personally really helpful because uh, just like in my life, uh, friendship, you know, ministry, uh, maybe I will find that people will tell me, oh, I deal with depression or I deal with anxiety. And yeah, the way that we maybe interact with each other is is different okay. you know and i've learned from my youth to not assume anything about anybody yeah you know because it's bad <laughs> um totally <laughs> but we all kind of try to make meaning yeah. you know when we kind of read into situation like why isn't this person responding to my texts why isn't this person returning my calls like why does our relationship feel one-sided yeah and 
and then also in that sometimes if a person isn't you know communicating or seems like they have these struggles like I don't know like is it am I bothering them to like keep showing up in their life you know to keep pestering you know because that's what it feels like for me but I don't know how they're experiencing it mm-hmm. you know and so I'm thinking how best can I love this person be a friend to this person um and feeling a bit lost sometimes and I don't want to um, you know, make assumptions about people, but um, those kind of what you were saying there is is helpful as I'm thinking about, you know, how do I walk with somebody who maybe deals with that struggle, but it feels like on my end, like I don't I don't hear from them, even if I continue reaching out and I'm not I'm not sure what to make of that and, and how to keep showing up with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, in my own experience, you know, I would randomly get like cards in the mail or like a text you know, and I know it's a card in the mail is kind of like old school, but like, who doesn't love getting a card in the mail? <laughs> For sure. I still do it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like fun and sweet and a surprise. Um, and I couldn't always text people back or, you know, write a card in response. Definitely not, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> or you ain't getting a card back. Sorry, let's buddy. be honest. Um, not today. Uh, and um, but they uh, it still brought a moment of um, like a little smile to my heart, even if I didn't have that energy to say thank you in that moment. And so if you're concerned or worried, like, am I over caring for them? Am I like being annoying? I would say probably you're not, but you could also just double check and just say, (laughs) Hey, I'm, you know, I'm trying to make sure that you know that I love you and I care about you and there's no expectation for you to respond, but I also just don't want to be annoying. So if I'm being annoying, just give me a thumbs down or, you know, whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes the simplest thing is mm. just to ask. Yes. And sometimes that's the last thing that I do. I it's like, know. you know what? I'm going to assume instead. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's let easier. me just analyze this. I'm going to figure it out. I'm yeah. going to see what they're thinking. I can read their mind. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Mm, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we're talking about like the experience of depression and, um, you know, for somebody who maybe that's true about them, how do I find my way to just like a level of functioning and and life, life with God? Um, You had referenced a bit of of your own experience with depression and maybe times in your life when you experienced that. I wonder if you'd be willing to share just kind of what did that look like maybe entering into that season in it and and how did you kind of come through it and not like, oh, it's it's over now, you know, but just kind of what what was helpful to you in that journey and, and what continues to be helpful, perhaps? Yeah. So um, I uh, was in grad school and um, you had to get 40 hours of personal therapy in order to graduate. So I always like mm-hmm. to make the joke that I'm go- if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all the way. So I was like, therapy, yay. Oh, depression. <laughs> I was like, let me just really hit that thing running. <laughs> so I went all the way um, and uh, didn't really know uh, that that would be a part of my story because I thought kind of everything was fine. But in my first couple sessions, some stuff got uncovered that was like, oh, that's pretty big stuff. And I also um, had changed uh, living situation. And so I was living with new roommates that I didn't know. And so my support system had also kind of vanished. I was living down in Orange County. The people I had moved in with, um, that living situation changed. And I got new raiments that I, like, found on Craigslist. So I was kind of isolated, you know. 
<laughs> and I was uh, going to school full time and working full time. So, wow, I was burning the candle on both ends, which is not a good setup to then kind of go through your own um, experiences or traumas in your life. So that was a bad setup. Sure. So I would advise <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, like looking around at the things that are situational that could automatically improve some things. You know, like when you feel like isolating, making a choice instead to do an opposite action and reach out to a friend or send a text or um, to kind of catch it early before it builds really strong. Um, but I didn't do that. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it just was a slow crawl for me. And so it didn't like, I didn't just wake up one day and it was a big hit. It kind of just kept building over a couple months and I would be like, well, it'll be better as soon as this is done or it'll be better as soon as this is Mm -hmm. finished or as soon as this changes, but that didn't happen. And so I just kept going lower and lower. And, I, the key signs to me was was that I spent a lot of time alone in my car in parking lots sleeping. And that had never been true before. It was mm. because I didn't want my roommates to know what was happening. I didn't want my schoolmates to know what was happening. And so the place that I could go or do was to be alone in a Home Depot parking lot and sleep for a few hours. Mm. So the catalyst for change was that I was already in therapist in therapy because I had to be for school. And she just sure. started noticing and asking the right questions and really put a label to it. And I remember when she said, I think you might be depressed. It was like, what? No way. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> you know, mm. I'm always the mm. strong one and joyful and happy, you know, and anybody from the outside would have still seen me that way until it got too big. And then I started, like, not succeeding at class, calling into work, inability to function in the way that I was. And then people started noticing. So, um, yeah. So my therapist looked at me and she said, "Um, I can see that you don't have any hope. And I'm going to let you have mine. Because I have hope that your world could be different. So I'm going to give you my hope until you find your own but you'll have to give me mine back. And I said, okay. And she handed me a little rock that had the word hope on it. And I carried that in my pocket. And I started having hope. And Jesus would show up in miraculously beautiful ways. And um, it was like little love notes from him in the form of every card I got for a season had a tree on it. Or I would buy a new pair of jeans and it would have a tree button. And I just made the choice to believe that that was him saying, let's deepen your roots into something healthy. Mm. And so I just made the choice to reach out for help instead of hiding. And it changed everything. And that was uh, 12 years ago. And I haven't been in that place again where I, you know, wasn't sure if life was worth living or not. Um, And I haven't been there still, but that's because I maintain doing the things that I know that I need to do so that it doesn't build to the place that it had, Mm. you know. So I, you know, make sure I hang out with friends. You know, anyone experiencing depression or mild depression, you know, simplifying your life so that you're not feeling stressed or burned out, Um, you know, uh, 
being involved in um, youth groups or support groups or friend groups, you know, making the choice not to isolate, uh, learning ways to relax, structuring your time, basic hygiene, taking a shower every day, <laughs> different yes. things like that that just like facilitate feeling like something is moving. And then if it's that heavy, therapy and Jesus and friends are the things that saved my life. So even though I couldn't say to my friend, thank you so much for my card, it gave me a breath of fresh air when I wasn't sure if I could breathe. Wow. Thanks for inviting us into your experience there. That was very moving. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I would say, just because I think it seems relevant in this moment, is you could be doing True. everything right. Exercising, eating right, hanging out with friends, going to therapy, if, um, you know, doing your faith practices, you know, all the things that you should be doing and are the right things to do to counter depression. But sometimes it is just purely a chemical experience. And so sometimes you really do need medical support through a prescription or an antidepressant. And that's just purely because your brain's not making the chemicals it needs to in the way that you need to. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> that's not a failure on anybody's end. <laughs> You know, mm. so I think that's important to say. Yeah, yeah, nobody's failing, you know, so um, there's no shame in taking medication. It's purely biological and it's the thing that can help you be able to engage in therapy or support or whatever in a way that also helps you lift you up, lift you out of the state of depression. So they're like a team. Mm. And sometimes you yes. need the medication to just get enough energy to be able to do the other things that will help you. Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking back on some like one of our earlier episodes we talked about. I use this picture of, like the constellation of help. Yeah, you know, and uh, maybe mentor, friends, pastor, therapist, psychiatrist, totally. you know, doctor that prescribes a medication that helps you with a chemical imbalance in your brain. You know, yeah, that um, these different maybe the constellation might look different for you at different times mm -hmm. in your life, depending on maybe things that are going on, challenges you're facing, but, um, you know, finding that support and, and receiving it, you know, is a big part of, of moving toward health. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, you had mentioned as like maybe someone, um, who wants to love somebody who's feeling depressed, you know, sure. the person who's also feeling depression wants it to be fixed just as badly as you do. You know, they also are desperate for something to be different. And mm -hmm. they're tr making their best efforts at any moment that they can, you know. And sometimes maybe people aren't, and that's part of, like, supporting someone is to say, like, hey, why don't I help you find a therapist or help you get to this thing or whatever, you know, depending on someone's functioning. But, yeah. um, you know, we, I also wanted that. Yeah. So then to have... Uh, I was also expecting myself to get better or putting pressure on myself to get better. So the greatest gift that someone can give is not to have an expectation for immediate change, but a willingness to say like, hey, I'm with you as we figure this out. And I'm okay yeah. that it takes some time. That kind of sounds like an echo of what your therapist told you, you know, which was what moved me, you know, to tears while you were talking earlier. <laughs> uh, just kind of, I... I say you don't have any hope, so you can have mine until you have your own, you know? And I think, obviously, we're not, maybe if you're listening to this, you might be a skilled helper, you might be a professional, you might not be, but, you know, that we can 
continue you know, commit to loving somebody and walking alongside them and believing with them and for them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't, I think we had talked about this, um, maybe in a different episode, but about the, the paralyzed man and his friends. Oh yeah. Know, who mm-hmm. it's, you know, the house is all full mm-hmm. and, uh, they bring their buddy. Hey, we can't get him into Jesus's presence. So they get up on the roof, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And they rip open the roof and they, um, lower this guy down in front of Jesus. Right. And, um, one of the details that really strikes me about that story, um, is, um, it says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said, you know, your sins are forgiven. And then later on, you know, get up, take up your mat and, and walk. And, um, you know, I think what moves me about it is just that these people believed for the paralyzed man. Yeah. Right. Enough to carry him into Jesus's presence, believing, hey, if we can just get you here, I'll, I'll carry you there. And I believe that something could change for you. Yeah. You know, that this man, Jesus, can do something in your life. And um, that's just kind of what I was thinking about when you're talking about people who are kind of believing with you and um, walking with you and saying, you know, I'm, I'm with you in this. Yeah. And um, I know that it's it's frustrating. It's hard. It's scary. And um I'm going to be around. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very surreal thing to now sit as a therapist across from depressed clients or suicidal clients and hand them the hope that was given to me. That's a very yeah. surreal thing to use the the gift that that therapist at that time gave me to then have the same thing in my room and say, I have hope. I believe that you can experience life differently and you can have mm-hmm. my hope until you have your own. You know, that's like the story of the Redeemer, (laughs) you know, and, um, you know, in that story of the friends helping, you know, um, their friend find healing, two things are happening there. The group of people who are able to help their friend find healing are willing to do so. But the person who needs the healing is also willing to accept what they're offering. Right. And so to the depressed person, I would also say it's taking the risk to believe and to receive the love and support mm. that people are also trying to offer you. Mm. Wow. One of the things that I was thinking about in this conversation is we've been talking about, you know, if you're depressed and just maybe if someone's listening to this and wondering if they might be dealing with depression, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe it's a sadness that hasn't lifted and, you know, so how might they go about a, a diagnosis or an understanding of like, yes, I am dealing with depression. Yeah. So the first thing to, you know, to do would probably either to be to reach out to a therapist if you're like just trying to kind of talk it out and see what's going on. And we're also trusting that that therapist will then use the constellation (laughs) Mm -hmm. and get you connected to a psychiatrist as well, you know, and it's really a psychiatrist that's going to be able to give you a a full assessment to, to make a decision about is it so, you know, you know, a good timing for you to uh, start taking a medication and what that might that be what what might that be like <laughs> and what are sure. your options in exploring it you know um, and then uh, the therapist will also give you skills and tools and support along the way if you're in a suicidal crisis then you need to reach out to 988 immediately mm. and they will also do immediate crisis intervention to make sure that you stay safe because you are too valuable to lose 
And so they will take steps to make sure that you're safe and then help you get connected to those services for longer term care after that. Yeah. Thinking back to our earlier conversation about identity, yeah. you know, like uh, needing you to be, I think, didn't you say that's the okay. one thing that you want to say, right? With your life. <laughs> with my life. <laughs> <laughs> A few episodes ago. Yes. Uh, my dying breath, I think you said. Yeah. That, you know, we need you to be uniquely you to see the fullness of God in the world. And um, I've been thinking about that. So um, I think that that's a beautiful thing. I'm glad that we mentioned that resource in every episode of the podcast. And uh, whether your kind of pain is kind of acute and elevated to that level of like, I don't know if life is worth living or it's just kind of this lingering sadness or numbness, kind of like we talked about in this episode of like, I think I might need more help. Um, those would be some steps we'd invite you to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about um, spiritually? Like, how do you provide support for people in your position as well? Yeah, I mean, I think it is similar to what you were mentioning as like the, hey, I'm, I'm here with you in this, you know? I think that that's, you know, that one of the names of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, yeah. you know, in the reality of our circumstances, in the darkness that doesn't seem to lift, to say, hey, I'm going to... Um, be here for you you know yeah <laughs> i think about this phrase sometimes okay. um, i'm nervous <laughs> it's a lord of the it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's um uh, it's a lord of the rings reference i mean currently and, i'm watching um, the them all through again so wow <laughs> so uh, hopefully i'm not spoiling anything because these movies came out 20 years ago well I've seen and their books yeah. but uh, you know when <laughs> um frodo and sam they're at mount doom yeah I'm getting emotional just thinking about it, but it's powerful. Um, <laughs> Frodo is carrying the ring; it's getting heavier, right, mm-hmm. as they get closer to destroying it. Yep. And um, they're on like the slopes of Mount Doom, you know. And Frodo's been carrying this heavy burden, mm-hmm. and it's crushing him. Yeah. You know, and um, <clears throat> he can't. At one point, he says, "I just can't keep going." Right. You know? And. Uh, it's this incredible scene, right, where he says, uh, Sam says to him, I might not be able to carry the ring, but I can carry you. Amen. Right. Yeah. And uh, and so he does. He carries him the rest of the way. Yep. And I think that that's, uh, you know, what we can do for people yeah. is kind of like what your therapist told you. Like, I can't, I can't carry you. I, I can't live in your skin. I'm not living your life, but I can believe for you. I can carry you. Um if you'll let me, kind of like what you were saying earlier, um, that there has to be a willingness to allow people into your life. But I think that that's one of the greatest gifts of love that we can offer to somebody is, um, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to keep showing up yeah, and believing for you and praying for you and offering you hope and sending you cards. Right. Um, and, um, and just directing people to the hope that's available in the God who has suffered for us and with us and who promises to never leave us or forsake us, you know, that he's there with us in the darkness of our difficulties. And I think about like the wording of the Psalms when it talks about lifting our eyes, you know, up to the hills, where does my help come from? And I think sometimes in those, you know, that lingering sadness that won't lift, sometimes just lifting our gaze, you know, and kind of that picture of instead of looking kind of down to look up 
you know, at this Savior that was, you know, crucified, that was risen from the grave, that's defeated death and darkness. Um, even when it feels like the darkness is still lingering in me, that looking to him can change, can shift something, um, can change everything. Yeah. And believing that for somebody and showing up tangibly kind of in, in the pattern of like the incarnation, like showing up in the flesh with someone. Um, can can make a difference i think so too well um anything else we want to add or say as we land the plane on today's conversation um there the unit asked me if there was any kind of like resources you know or anything and yeah there's um there's a book that i like that's called when someone you love is depressed Mm. by rosen and amador and it has um like some specific relationships in there too like friend spouse child family member like different categories so that can be super helpful um and then i really like this instagram account you know okay (laughs) because i'm cool (laughs) no i'm not the Uh, gram (laughs) um and it's called um at real depression project and um they just have like little tips and skills and um, ways to decide and um there's like cute little illustrations that help you figure things out and it's digestible is what i like about it yeah Cool. Well, we will link those in the show notes on this podcast. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, as we close, we just want to repeat our disclaimer, which is that this podcast episode is not a replacement for professional therapy. This podcast is a platform where we will be sharing resources and information that may be useful to the general public. If you need immediate assistance, call 988. Well, I want to say a huge thank you to our guest today for helping us to engage with this really important topic. Katie, thank you so much. Yeah. And if I could say one thing, I just want to remind everyone that there is hope Mm. and that this too can change. Amen. Amen. Yes. I guess the emotions of today's episode kind of caught me by surprise. (laughs) And I just want to say thank you for um, your vulnerability and your willingness to share out of your own pain and experience to extend hope to others. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. And thanks to you, the listener, for listening. We hope you found today's conversation helpful and hope to catch you again soon. If today's episode raised questions for you, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at praxispodcast at threecrosses.org. Once again, thanks for listening. This is the Praxis Podcast. Have a great day.